The Inland Empire of Washington State is an exciting place to be. Hammers are swinging, cranes are craning, machines are buzzing, robots are learning, and the region is full of life. Welcome to the Irons in the Fire podcast, a show exploring the many exciting and innovative businesses that drive and promote our local economy here in Spokane, Washington, and beyond. So lean in, because you're going to hear some valuable and behind-the-scenes insights from some of the area's top manufacturing companies, aerospace companies, and some of the best business minds in the region. Together, we're putting more irons in the fire. Today's episode is brought to you by Weave. What if you could show appreciation to clients, employees, friends, and family while supporting local Spokane businesses? Well, now you can with Weave. Weave offers gift baskets filled with some of the best locally sourced goods and products Spokane has to offer. Weave's goal is to create beautiful gift baskets while bringing together the abundance of the greater Spokane region. Go now to www.weavespokane.com. That's www.weavspokane.com. And use promo code IRONSINTHEFIRE, all one word, to get $20 off your first order. Give the gift of local, give the gift of weave. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Irons in the Fire podcast. I'm your host, James Krejci, and I'm up here in North Idaho in the great community of Sandpoint. And the air is a little thinner up here, but I'm telling you, the brain power is tremendous. So there's a lot of innovation in this this community, even though it's a little bit smaller. A ton of impressive things coming out of Sandpoint, Idaho. So today's show is going to be impressive. It's going to be engaging and I'm sure everyone will will get a lot out of it. I'm here in the offices of Tamarack Aerospace Group with President Jacob Klingensmith and founder and CEO Nick Guida. And gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having us, James. So I started following Tamarack Aerospace Group a couple of years ago. Um, So I'm, I'm familiar with what you guys do, but kind of give the listeners a rundown of just what it is that Tamarack does. Yeah, we make active winglets, so we are changing the way that winglets are done on airplanes. Um, Winglets are the little things that stick up at the very end of the wingtip, if you're not familiar. Uh, And traditionally, those are added to airplanes, and you get a couple percent um, efficiency gain by doing that. Um, But those winglets come with a big structural penalty when you add those. So we've invented, and Nick has patented, um, an ability to add to the wing and then do a winglet, and aerodynamically disengage that winglet uh, actively so it's a it's an all new technology it's kind of like the airbag in your car that Mm -hmm. is there when you need it but otherwise it's stowed and and you're just getting the benefit Um, and uh, it's a it's a big it's a game-changing technology for aerospace awesome so talk a little bit about maybe some of the uh, companies that you have have talked to and partnered with along the way along your journey yeah we've been we've been to almost all the OEMs around the world and we've uh, we've got a lot of interest from military organizations <coughs> and individual owners too so right we've done we've been doing this almost 10 years now and we've touched almost everybody and we're, and we're friends with a lot of these companies uh, we're partners with a few and it's been an exciting road well what you're doing is really impressive I heard that uh, install number 100 is forthcoming yeah, is that true? It's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah, 
Wow. Next week or a couple weeks. Yeah, next month. So we'll um, we'll do number one hundred, and and we've been partnered with Textron for a long time. Uh, so our product is certified. It's flying around um, on Citation jets, which is a smaller business jet, and three different versions of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, the customers really really love it. So um, we're excited about putting it on on other airframes too. Awesome. So talk about why Sandpoint. Why have you chosen Sandpoint to? launch a an incredible aerospace company what are the benefits to where where you're at well sandpoint was for me i was uh years ago the chief engineer at quest aircraft so quest aircraft is here in sandpoint and i moved here i was actually in switzerland um, at the time working for pilatus and i moved here and worked at at quest jacob was here uh you know he went to university well he can talk for himself but so I moved here because of that and then started my own company and then started Tamarack after that. So okay. That's how, that's how I got here. Very I just nice. love it. It's a great town. You know, I like sailing. I like flying. It's beautiful skiing and all that. So where else would you want to be? No kidding. So in, in, came from Switzerland to Sandpoint. Maybe the, the skiing is kind of the common. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the lake. Yeah. Connections there and yeah, the, central and the Switzerland, lake. Switzerland, yeah. And then Jacob, what do you think in terms of advantages that Sandpoint brings to running a company like this? The big thing is is the community, right? I mean, people mm-hmm. come here for the small town experience um, and, of course, the recreation that's here. So, you know, when we're recruiting, that's a really big selling point for us. Definitely. It's not for everybody, but yeah. um, and there's a, quite an aerospace community here. I think because of, you know, Quest being here and, and Aeroset even before that. And Cygnus. Um, and Cygnus and now Burt Rutan's down in Coeur d'Alene. It's just kind of created this environment where there is disproportionate amount of aerospace engineers Mm -hmm. right yeah kind of a cluster and that um leads into the spokane area too exactly nice to see a lot of collaboration between between Mm -hmm. companies and and experts as well Mm -hmm. uh jacob what kind of hobbies i know you mentioned skiing and and outdoors and, and lake activity what kind of hobbies do you yeah same for me i i like to live on the lake in the summertime um my family and i are out on the lake all the time uh, and and skiing, of course, in the winter. But um, yeah, Nick and I stay pretty busy with the business too. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure, um, yeah. <laughs> I try to steal some weekends to go skydiving. I like to do that, and of course, mm-hmm. we're always flying. So nice yeah. skydiving. That's a uh, well, yeah. That relates to planes pretty well. So <laughs> keep it all in that in that family. Yeah, everybody says, "Why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane?" And I normally <laughs> say. They, you obviously haven't seen a skydiving airplane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not perfectly They're good not perfectly. then. <laughs> that's funny. So that, I imagine that's how it all started. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that when we're talking about Tamarack Aerospace Group today, it probably looks drastically different than maybe the day that you first started and we're kind of in that R&D phase yeah. thinking about an idea. So take us through that journey. What from, you know, opening the the first idea mm-hmm. to where all you're good sitting stuff today. or bad stuff too. Uh, let's let's go with the, no, we'll stay the with good the of the journey, and then yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I'm just being funny. So, <laughs> you know, I, I was doing, I was a consultant, and I and I had a uh, a DER ticket for uh, the FAA, meaning I'm allowed to sign for approvals for the FAA, and. So I, and I had a, a pretty wide range of skill sets. 
So I was doing winglet installations and modifications on airplanes, passive winglet installations, uh, and helping them certify these airplanes. And each time I did it, I ended up with a a lot of extra weight in the wing, and it just took a long time to do because you're because the way a winglet works is as you increase the aerodynamic benefit, you hurt the structure, as Jacob said. So mm -hmm. my job was to reinforce the wing in order to put a passive winglet on it, gotcha. and that bothered me for years. I made my money doing that and grew the company, and one day I was uh, coming back from a Steely Dan concert with my wife in 2009, and I had the idea, the epiphany of, hey, why don't we turn off the winglet unless you really need it? I mean, turn it off during high G events, and just so that most of the time you can have it without this uh, structural downside. Kind of like an airbag, you don't know it's there until you need it and it pops out. Right. So we have these devices that when you when you pull in an airplane G's and you put load up the wing. These devices pop out and turn off the winglets so that your wing goes back to the original design of the, of the aircraft so you don't have these harmful effects. So that was a good idea. I needed to figure out how to make it happen. So there was a guy in town that was helping me. From I'm an engineer, so engineers aren't typically the, trained in business. Uh, a friend of mine uh, helped me start the company. And then we took that little plane you saw in there, that little RV6. Yeah. Uh, we put winglets on that plane. It was heavy duty R and D at the time. You know, it was me. And, <laughs> Engineers uh, gone wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was, there was. It was just a fun time. So back then, yeah, it was just butts and elbows and just climbing around and m making stuff happen and doing fiberglass and instrumentation and electrical stuff. Yeah, and we were just full on, just fun. It's really intoxicating to work in a place like that with really confident people and you can get stuff done. It makes you realize. Like now you're saying, what's the difference? Well, this place is like a morgue as compared to it was 10 years ago, right? <laughs> you know, now we have to wear this stupid thing. And, <laughs> and But yeah, back then it was just so much fun. And I mean, we still have fun now because now the fun, the growth in invention and development is based on growing the company because the, right. the patents already been, you know, the, the technology has been done. So we've proven that. Now we got to go put it on a lot of planes. So there's a next phase of excitement as we grow this company. Right. Yeah, but that's would be the difference. Now we're growing in a business way rather than trying to figure out if this thing really works. You know. Right. And then once we decided it worked, then we raised money, and we back then and we and we made it happen and started the certification process. And seeing the excitement in the customers, I think that's one of the that's kind of yeah. where the fun part is for Good me point. right now, is when we have customers in the hangar getting their winglets installed. Of course, they're excited because it's new. It's a new thing yeah. for them. But also the reports that come back. You know, they just are really, really excited about mm -hmm. the benefit and just, you know, having the new toy and, and right. yeah. something they can um, pencil out business-wise, but also it's a new toy for them. They're mm -hmm. they're smart guys, usually. They get to paint you know, their, they, picks, their paint scheme, you know, so they yeah. get to play with that. Like, oh, I want yeah. these stripes like this. Yeah. <laughs> so they get into it, yeah. yeah. But yeah, to hear, but hearing the, someone say, I now fly for four hours, and I used to be able to only fly for three hours, uh, and it's changed the way I do my business. That's so cool as compared to 10 years ago, wondering if the, if the whole thing even worked, you know? Right. So that is, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So there's different excitement for the startup world versus the business growth mm -hmm. uh, world. And Jacob, you came on when, two, 2011, you said? And uh, 2010, so right, 2010? right after Nick started uh, Tamarack, mm -hmm. um, I actually was hired to help with the consulting side. So at first we were doing engineering consulting work to fund the R and D and we're okay. actually doing that again now, but, yeah. um, you know, I was hired to help with that. So I started helping with that. 
and kind of as we added to the team, I started leading the team more. And so I've been the chief engineer for most of the time that I've been here. Right. Um, but yeah, from the very beginning, from before we even mm-hmm. had flown it. Yeah. So very, nice. very fun to see the process. And so from your perspective, what kinds of things are different in addition to what Nick mentioned? Um, you know, like I said, the, the excitement of having the customers. Yeah. It was all theoretical for a long time. A very long time. We had to yeah. be very patient with that process. Um, and um, not only with the customers, but with the certifying authorities. You know, we were the first um, general aviation, load alleviation system ever certified. Really? Yeah. And so we were kind of educating in some ways uh, or cutting new ground at least right. in the agency. And um, so that was really fun. But now we're kind of on this side of it where we're helping um, – the industry memorialized some of those things that were done, which is really exciting. Um, But on the front end of that, it was, you know, (laughs) it was starting at zero in in a lot of ways. So it's just like, you know, I mean, every entrepreneur goes through that, right? It's the excitement, the scariness, the risk. And early on, you know, you're, you're, you're mitigating risk. So you're finding out what the thing is going to kill you and you try to fix that. And then you go to the next thing and you go to the next thing, just a typical, I mean, you talk to entrepreneurs all the time. That's very standard deal exactly so what does that process look like to get to get when you had the idea solidified uh had the product um how, how long does it take to get certified the the initial yeah model well it's as jacob said this is, was the first one so that added some time yeah when uh it was considered novel or something like that if you want to say that even though it wasn't load alleviation has been around since the 70s so we didn't invent load alleviation but we're mm-hmm. bringing it to the smaller planes and with that it became a novel idea right we didn't invent winglets winglets have been around over 100 years all the winglets you see flying around in these planes not our planes but these older planes right. are, they're 100 year old designs and wow. they, they're treated like they're new and it's really not there were mm-hmm. planes flying in 1910 with winglets on it really yeah mm-hmm. and so we put the two together that's kind of what we uh that's what we're known for and being able to have them play on each other but i'm on a different topic so the point is um the certification process was relatively new to them to the faa and so that took a took a while but overall the process took about three and a half years Mm -hmm. but it could have taken shorter i mean now that now the process will take much less because we're dealing with a known quantity but right. as we get into larger airplanes like we're moving up the food chain uh, there's other things that come into play swept wings for instance higher speeds flexible wings those things have to be another round of uh, risk reduction and an R&D so it's exciting again you know even on the engineering yeah. side no doubt and then is there a different um, organization that has to certify once you move up to larger no, scale or? maybe some different folks at the certifying agencies that are familiar with the larger airplanes. Okay. But generally the rule, it's funny because even with our new, because the system was novel, we brought, or the FAA and, and the certifying authority in Europe, EASA, mm-hmm. they brought in Part 25 uh, regulations because they didn't have anything to cover this in the Part 23 world. So 25 is big planes, 23 is little planes. Yeah. So we were held to standards above the part 23 level mm-hmm. i mean a lot right mm-hmm. so the transition is not going to be that hard i guess yeah going in just more work for us but but we were happy to do that because our eye has always been on the larger airplanes yeah. we just are progressing 
yeah. uh, from smaller to bigger. Yeah. So it was like, okay, well, we'll start working that way now. And then we'll have already sorted it out by the time we get to some of the bigger airplanes. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So following your guys' story, you know, the, the journey has been impressive. Um, there, I'm sure there's road bumps that, that come along the way. I think one that, you know, has been a lot of news around lately is the, the bankruptcy. And, you know, it's a challenging topic to, to talk about. But um, a lot of times we see bankruptcy, you know, sometimes when... Uh, leadership of a company kind of makes a, a misstep or a bad decision. But in your case, it it wasn't caused by that. And I think the way that you guys have recovered from it is, is proving that and showing um, that you guys are around for the long term. Talk about that experience and how you were able to, to navigate that and what that did for you. Sure. Yeah, our, our bankruptcy is different. I mean, it's it's very different. And one of the things that's really easy to see now is we're going to be paying back all of our creditors 100%. Really? Um, which is pretty unusual. Um, Especially in aerospace. Yeah. yeah. And it's because, you know, we're making sales now and, mm-hmm. and we can afford to do that. And our bankruptcy came because our fleet was grounded mm-hmm. in the spring of this year for three months. And in that three months, we didn't know that it was going to be three months or we right. didn't know nine months. It could have been... We didn't have clarity, even though we were working with uh, the authorities on getting it resolved. We just didn't have that clarity. So it was a business decision that was deliberate to go into Chapter 11. And a lot of our customers, either at the time or shortly after, were like, thank you, because they understood that that protected them. By right. protecting us, that protects them. Uh, and we were working with them you know, to get them back in the air as quickly as possible. Um, but you know that, that whole grounding episode was triggered by an event that happened in Europe with one of our customers. We knew within weeks that that the event was preventable and it wasn't what he, the customer had reported to the authorities right away. Gotcha. Um, with the 737 MAX grounding and everything going on, there was a lot of extra scrutiny mm-hmm. going on. So I think had it not been for the 737 situation, probably yeah. within a couple of weeks, the fleet would have been back right. in the air. They, oh, would okay. have, they would have validated what the guy said and... Or, un, or validated that it wasn't accurate and would have said, well, that's nonsense and everybody right. can fly the plane again. But you know, that, that's just water of the bridge now. Yeah. yeah. But, but the it whole was fleet, painful, yeah. Yeah, the whole fleet's back in the air now. Yeah. Um, they were back in the air. We kind of knew what the answer was going to be, mm-hmm. so we worked with our fleet to get them upgraded. The answer mm-hmm. was upgrade your equipment to the stuff that we said to do like a year prior to that. Mm-hmm. Some of them hadn't, and that's what caused the problem. Right. So we worked with everybody while they were grounded, get them upgraded at our expense. And then when the FAA agreed that that was the answer, then mm-hmm. they were free to fly. Yeah. So the customers are actually, our, they've been our biggest support through the yeah. whole experience. Even though they were not happy to have their nice plane grounded, mm-hmm. sure. they've been our biggest supporters yeah. uh, through the whole thing. If people would ask, you know, how, how are you getting through this? It's like, well, our customers. We call them all the time, and Becky and Bill and all of us here, we're, all of us were on the phone. We had our little list of who we're going to call every day. Mm-hmm. And so we get pep talks from entrepreneurs because most of these owners are entrepreneurs, right? Oh, yeah. They have their own yeah. business jets and fly around for fun. So they're calling us and saying, Nick, this is you can get through this, man. The product, strength of the product is going to get you through. This is what I would do. And we'd get counseling sessions from our customers. It's wonderful. So wow. we... we um, it was, I guess, not totally unexpected because our, our clientele are, are pretty cool people. But mm-hmm. uh, getting through this w- with their support and our team, 
it was almost a natural thing. Yeah. We just had to let it go. We had to just continue to give them data and information on what was happening during the grounding. So for when we filed bankruptcy, about five and a half weeks later is when the restrictions were lifted. Okay. Man, uh, and so, quick. yeah, but, but the planes were grounded for three yeah. months. Yeah. But that was the longest three months you could imagine. <laughs> yeah. And our, but our yeah, customers are awesome. Mm-hmm. And we had interest through that whole time. So, yeah. so we were still selling winglets, even with the fleet grounded. Right. P- airplane people understand these things come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were taking deposits contingent on, you know, everything being resolved. Right. So as soon as the fleet was back in the air, we started doing installations. Mm-hmm. We've continued to do sales, installations here, installations at our dealers. We have dealers all over the world. So they're back to mm-hmm. uh, selling and installing winglets. So all of that is allowing us to now come out of Chapter 11. Yeah. Um, we're right. working through that process. It's it's a very um, mm-hmm. regimented process. Sure. Uh, so we'll probably, uh, you know, kind of spring of next year is, pro- is what we're looking at right now to be out of Chapter 11. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very different than a typical story, I think. Yeah. No kidding. That's impressive. How many winglets uh, have been installed since uh, the grounding was lifted? I think all in about 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since... Yeah, since nice. early July. So uh, once once grounding was lifted, it was pretty much you know just yeah we had we had, had that volume we had pent up orders up. yeah I mean we had pent demand yeah uh, people were calling us we were making sales during the AD it's normal I mean Boeing they sold a hundred seven thirty seven maxes uh, at the Paris Paris Air Show what was it eBay's or no eBay's at eBay's recently I think so yeah so during the worst AD they <clears throat> ever had right so. People that are in the business, so the uninitiated, it sounds like the end of the world. But for the people that have been doing this a long time and fly the planes and their customers, they know that it's just a normal event. Especially knowing right. the, the history, this this AD, like for Boeing, it's a little different. There, that AD was due to other things outside of, um, you know, not outside of their control. But uh, ours was from a false pilot re- report, incident report. Right. So people that know the background understood what was causing it, and then that didn't freak them out, and they just moved on and ordered mm-hmm. winglets. So yeah, we started doing winglet installations again. Got a great team. We did lose a lot of people. At one point, we had thirty-five or thirty-three people, and we went down to fifteen or sixteen. Now we're building mm-hmm. back up to about twenty-one. Mm-hmm. So in the process, we lost amazing, wonderful people. Mm-hmm. But that's how life is sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's you know, it's nice that you've been able to push through it yeah with uh, and you still have a core of great people and mm-hmm. of course you'd love to have your the people that you lost you'd mm-hmm. love to have them here but uh, mm-hmm. that's impressive to see you guys push through the way you have yeah, thanks and, you know we've been following the story and mm-hmm. to see how quickly mm-hmm. the bankruptcy has been dealt with and you know you're working through the, the process still but these often last years so mm-hmm. yeah exactly that's impressive yeah. so uh, w- let's uh shift gears a little bit and uh thanks for sharing the backstory and whatnot but uh something that uh i kind of want to hear i've just been curious i'm a a finance guy by trade um am involved in manufacturing and aerospace from a just kind of a fan perspective Mm -hmm. but i'm curious when you're in a conference room like talking about uh some component of the winglet or a challenge with the winglet or a development what that sounds like because I kind of mm-hmm. like hearing the the energy of it and the jargon and all that so I think um, what we're gonna do in this portion of the show is 
Um, for those of you that are listening to just audio, make sure you tune in to the, to the video as well. We're going to have a whiteboard here, and I think Nick's going to come up and kind of nerd out, geek out with some, uh, with some engineering and aerospace mm-hmm. um, chatter. Yeah, sure, so, sure, yeah. yeah. Nick's going to do that. He's really good at it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also plug, we made a whole video series, educational video series, yeah. one-minute oh, videos. Yeah. It's called Tamarack Teaches. You can find it on YouTube. And it's, it's engineers, all of our engineers, we made them all be on camera. We did one minute awesome. videos on all kinds of aerospace engineering mm-hmm. topics. So you can go check that out. I think we have yeah. a little over 50 videos out there. Mm. Very um, nice. And these guys are good at doing this. I'm not, I'm not the best at talking about it on, cam- <laughs> on camera, but I'm going I'm to try. No, that'd be fun. No, it's, it's neat. We, we're, we're really into um, teaching and helping and we have intern programs and we're involved in uh, the community and that type of stuff so this is it's fun for me to, to Very share nice. yeah so where do i f- go to find those one minute video clips? yeah it's just on, on the tamarack aerospace okay. group website or on uh, uh excuse me our youtube channel okay and it's tamarack teaches so to ter- uh search Tamarack teaches yeah. on YouTube, and we can mm-hmm. pull that up. Be sure uh, if you're listening to this, go check those out. So, mm-hmm. Nick, I'm going to scoot out of the way here okay. and let you kind of go go at it here. Well, it's interesting because just yesterday we were in a an undisclosed location talking about this to some people that need more endurance on their airplane. So they they have a fleet of these things, and they want to uh, they call it be on station for longer. So they want to stay on. Uh, and, and doing their circles or whatever they're doing for longer. So what do winglets do? Well, winglets increase the aspect ratio of an airplane. So picture a glider having really long wings. It's because it's very efficient. Um, and so, so the winglets, in a sense, um, increase the aspect ratio. I'm going to explain what happens when you increase an aspect ratio. So there's, if you look at drag, you end up with an induced drag I mean, a form drag and an induced drag. So this is just pushing, pushing an airplane through air creates a drag. So this would be like if you hear a car says the drag coefficient is 0.3, lowest drag coefficient. You've heard that over the years. Uh, but that doesn't create lift. It just moves down the road. But when you create lift with wings, a 3D wing, you actually are creating drag associated with that lift. And this drag, CDI, CDI, is your lift coefficient squared over pi times a Oswald efficiency factor, 3D factor, times your aspect ratio. So aspect ratio is inversely proportional. So the larger your aspect ratio, the lower your drag. Yeah? So these together, with a longer aspect ratio wing, your induced drag goes down. So if you were to look at if you were to look at some drag profiles, and so this is your drag coefficient, say, and this is your velocity. As you speed up, your induced drag is reduced, but your form drag goes up. You've heard people say, well, the drag is the square of the velocity, right? A function of the square of the velocity. Yeah? Have you heard people say I hear that? that pretty much every day. Yeah, every day, yeah. <laughs> so when you add these two together, so this is CDI, this is CDO, you end up with this, you add them together and you end up with this drag. So at some point, you have the lowest drag. And, and what we happens, if you reduce the induced drag at certain speeds, you actually can reduce this whole curve. So if this, if this induced drag is lower, then you have this new curve down here, and you end up with a lower a total amount of drag, which makes the airplane fly better. So 
lift coefficient. So lift is uh, Q, which is the equivalent airspeed over 295 squared times S, the service area, times your uh, lift coefficient. So if you were to take CL, that's your total lift coefficient, which is now L295 times L over V squared S. So you end up with um, a certain amount of lift. So for instance, if you take off in an airplane and you're heavy and you're going slowly because you're just starting to take off, your lift coefficient may be around one. So the higher lift coefficient, that square term allows us to come, to come way down. Typically, if you're doing endurance cruising, you're at high altitudes. And at, at high altitude, um, if you're dragged as half form drag and half induced drag, that's pretty much your ideal place to be in that range. So you optimize your CL to the 1.5 over CD, and that's your best range, that's your best endurance. That's a parameter, let's say an endurance parameter. So if you can optimize that, you're doing good. So what you would do is you would have this curve that shows a velocity and this, this uh, parameter, CL to the 1.5 over CD. So, and it's gonna look something like that. And if you have a baseline wing that looks like this, I, I mean, I just did this yesterday, so I'm, it's fresh in my mind. So at a particular airspeed, um, for baseline, this is the airplane without winglets, it may be here, but for our airplane with winglets, because of the induced drag is so much lower, at these lower speeds, you have this incredible increase, 30% increase in this parameter, which can translate to somewhere around 30% range endurance, which you'll see from even our little CJ, the one that you saw in there. It's a four hour plane now, it used to be three hours, and then you're on the ground. You wanna be on the ground at three hours. Because at higher altitudes, your true airspeed is high, but your equivalent airspeed goes down. So you can imagine that if this is lower, this is Q, when this goes down, this goes up. So the lower this is, the higher your CL, and that's where winglets really come into play. But our winglets do more than that too. So did I geek in on? Oh yeah. <laughs> and some of this is on the website, but the idea is tr trying to make, how much more time we got? We're good? We're fine, yep. Okay. Yep. So I will draw one more thing then, yeah. if that's okay. So here's your airplane, you're flying along, and you have, pretend this is, there's lift on this wing, right? There's lift, lifting up on the wing, zero here, and it makes this shape like that as you're flying through the air. So this is, you're looking at the airplane. Mm -hmm. um, when you put a winglet on it and an extension like we do, it makes this distribution lower here and higher out here. And you can imagine, for, it's the same amount of lift. If it's a 10,000 pounds under this curve, it's still 10,000 pounds under this curve but it's distributed differently. Which one do you think bends the wing more right here? The second one. The second one. It bends the wing more because the load is distributed further away. That's what winglets do and that's why they're bad for air, for structure, great aerodynamically. Because <coughs> this shape is better aerodynamically, the second one is better aerodynamically because it's closer to an elliptical distribution, but bad on the wing. So this is what how in the old days I would go in here and put metal here and strengthen the wing, just like if you were carrying wood far away from you rather than close to you, your arms hurt more. So, and, and you can calculate the stress on this by other equations uh, that can tell you how much more metal you have to put in there to substantiate or to support the stre additional stresses. But we have this little device, if you go to our website, you'll see it, 
that is like a little aileron that pops up. So during high G load, this is at 1G. So let's take this at 1G. Everybody's happy. The winglets are doing their job. But as you go into higher Gs, like you hit a gust, maybe 5Gs, five times the weight of the airplane during that gust. This device pops up, and then our distribution looks like this now. Down and up. So now, this is actually pushing down while this is pushing up. So now our stresses are so much lower that we can actually increase the max, maximum zero fuel weight of this airplane. You can see where that, gotcha. if this is negative, this is pushing down now, and this is pushing up, it would be sort of like someone holding your hands up mm -hmm. yeah, if you were carrying that weight. So that's what we do. Active winglets, we make the passive winglets of 100 years ago. We're, we're pretty much those are obsolete. So that's how we're attacking the world games. That was amazing. Um, I actually caught some of that. Good, um, good. Most of the time my head was spinning a little bit, but uh, I, I always enjoy when my head's kind of spinning and getting me thinking about things. So exactly what I was looking to hear. Thanks, good, Nick. Good. Um, so in, in closing, let's say I'm back here in uh, three to five years. Uh, Probably, yeah, in this room here. And what are you guys going to be itching to talk about, do you think, in that time? Lots of stuff. Mm -hmm. Bigger. I mean, you can you can see the theme already. James, we're, we've started small. We're mm -hmm. making it bigger, bigger, bigger. Um, you know, in five years, we'll be talking about a lot bigger airplanes. Um, we'll be on bigger airplanes. We'll be on bigger airplanes, but we'll be talking about even bigger airplanes. Yeah, yeah. and we'll be on a lot of military platforms, <clears throat> yeah. sure. helping um, reduce fuel costs around the world, you know, mm -hmm. uh, reducing emissions and how green we are. I mean, you know, the, think of all Southwest Airlines and all these airlines are putting winglets on to save 3%, 4%, and for the environmental aspects. Well, we can triple that, quadruple those type of savings. So we're going to be talking about how much impact uh, we've we've created uh, on the in the global economical and the ecological scale, and we've right. helped that. So those are the type of things: bigger planes, mm -hmm. more efficiencies, more of our patents and technologies being marketed and commercialized. That's what we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. The savings on something like that is, I mean, we're talking in the billions, I would say. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about a fleet of commercial airlines sure. right. going from 3% to, say, 20%, mm -hmm. um, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. talking in the range of somewhere around 15 to 17% on these larger planes. Because wow. we let them fly at higher altitudes and for the most part, and that really is where a lot of the benefit comes from, okay. getting, getting mm -hmm. to higher altitudes. You might hear on the you might hear these your uh, captain say hey, we're going to level off at thirty three thousand a day on the way to Seattle. Well, they could be at thirty seven thousand. That would be already with that same plane. It could be twelve percent better because okay. it's about three percent per thousand feet, three and a half percent. So the fact that they're so heavy they can't climb they can't is what's okay. yeah, creating that. That's so why. So it wouldn't be fuel efficient, so to say, for them to climb to thirty seven today because of. They the can't get that there. they're using. To, oh, they just can't. They can't wait, get they're too heavy. Okay. Okay. It gets too thin, and they just, they just can't, can't climb, climb anymore. anymore. The plane just stops. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. But if they had more wing, they could climb up higher. So yeah. you guys are changing the game. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. to put that in perspective, we have a customer. Even on these little jets, it's mm -hmm. dramatic. We have a customer. Um, he flies from Colorado to California all the time. He knows that route like the back of his hand. 
Normally, he lands with 700 pounds of fuel on board doing that route from Colorado to California. Mm-hmm. It was actually Montana. I don't mean to interrupt, but... Okay, yeah, Mon- so Montana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, his first trip with the winglets, he landed with 1,400 pounds. Really? So he, he saved all that fuel. And he was so excited when he landed. He's like, guys, these things are going to pay for themselves in no time because look at yeah. all the money I just saved mm-hmm. and the fuel that I didn't burn on that trip. Right. Exactly. And so that's just a little jet, seven people, yeah. on, you know, a seven-passenger <laughs> jet. Imagine if it was uh, that you know, a 737. So, well, Not to mention the fact that there's 700 pounds of less fuel emissions in the atmosphere. Right. Right, for that same trip. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Nick, Jacob, thanks for coming on Irons in the Fire. I had a feeling that this would be a pretty intriguing conversation, and you guys surely didn't disappoint. So uh, it's been very exciting and thanks. fun to yeah. talk to you guys. Yeah. Thank you for having time. us. Yeah. We'd love to have you back. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Irons in the Fire podcast, a show which explores the many facets of manufacturing and aerospace here in the Inland Empire. Also, please remember to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play by searching Irons in the Fire. And if you like the show, give us a five-star rating. More details and information about the show can be found on my webpage, ironsinthefirepodcast.com. Again, ironsinthefirepodcast.com. And be sure to spread the word. Let's continue to forge the future of manufacturing and put more irons in the fire. Until next time, thanks for listening.